Hi, Julie. Hi, Lisa. How's it going? It's going well. I can't believe we are at the end of another year, which is crazy. How did we get here? I don't know. It's been such a blur, but yet 2021 has felt like sort of four separate years within the same year, because I feel like there's been a lot of different phases of 2021. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It doesn't even seem like it was all the same year. When I think back to like January, February, March, doesn't even seem like it was part of this year. Yeah, definitely. It's it, And it all kind of blends together, but it's it seemed like um, a very, both a very long year and a very fast year, both in the same, you know, kind of in, in different senses, but definitely feels like it's been many different years in one. Do you think it's because I feel like a lot of people say this and I've heard this like just media and other people talking about the past few years. Do you think it's because everything changes so frequently and because none of us have ever lived through this type of um, environment where we're in a pandemic, coming out of a a pandemic, not a pandemic, but we're all sort of managing expectations. And so I feel like often when, for example, I make plans or I think about the future, I do it with caution and I didn't used to be like that. And I almost feel like that creates this sort of fuzzy sort of cloudiness in my brain where I can't go all in on things because I'm always a little bit more cautious. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and I think too, that we've lost the um, predictability of our year. So the, the rhythm of our year, you know, there's just a certain rhythm of starting school, uh, you know, breaks, getting out of school, summer camps, um, for us, you know, races and, and training and um, just different. There's a, a pattern to every year that I think we took for granted. And we've lost that pattern in the last couple of years. So we don't have that to rely upon. And I think that makes the year like time takes on a different sort of dimension when you don't have that, that rhythm. It's, it's a little bit, it's, it's um, kind of, you know, just uh, disconcerting. For sure. And then of course, when we do have the normal benchmarks of the year, which we had so many in 2021, we're that much more grateful. So, and we've talked about this before, that is for sure a silver lining when suddenly the things that you always expected to be a constant in life aren't necessarily constant. So when they happen, you almost feel like it's for the first time. So we are not alone, I'm sure, but we think of life pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. And of course, I'm going to stay positive, even though this Omicron crap is here. And we're going to call this post-pandemic because we're all vaccinated and moving forward with a plan. It's much different than this time last year. But I mean, the highlights of this year include all of the things that used to be routine. They certainly became highlights. So um, what you mentioned is absolutely true. We had some, a lot of disappointment in 2020. And now 2021 things return and it's been really joyous. So for sure, that's a silver lining. So last year we recapped 2020 and we called the episode hindsight is 2020. And, you know, we just kind of talked about all the things we went through last year. And, and this year is, we're going to do another recap, but we're not going to take up the whole episode doing a recap because thankfully there were a lot of great things that happened this year that were routine that, uh, we don't feel merit, you know, an entire episode, but we did, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about um, what happened through 2021 and specifically with respect to us and run farther and faster in our running. So um, 
Why did she start? And like you said before, it's really, it's really nice to have sort of a time capsule so that we can go back and listen. I was just telling you, I don't even remember what we talked about last year, but I can go back and listen and relive all of 2020, which I don't know if I really want to do, but um, it is kind of nice to have a time capsule. Um, so maybe, you know, in 10 years when um, our kids listen to this when they're adults, or, you know, we listen to this when we're senior citizens, um, you know, we'll be able to to relive, relive these days. And we did have a, a lot of highlights this year, um, you know, thinking all the way back to um, to, to January, um, you know, a year ago, almost a year ago, uh, vaccinations were just starting. And I, I remember um, being helping the, a vaccine hunter. Um, it was really hard to get appointments and only certain people were eligible. So um, our parents who are older were eligible. Um, and uh, I remember being up until, you know, past midnight on night searching for, um, searching for appointments for uh, my parents and then for friends and friends, parents and other people that who heard through the grapevine that I had some, you know, secret way of wasn't secret, but just, you know, I could figure out how to get appointments. It was just, a, you know, it, it was a crazy time where we started to have some hope, though, that vaccinations were on the horizon. And, um, you know, we uh, found out on, on the running front on, on our you know, running side of things um, that Boston um, was going to be postponed. Um, so we knew that 2021 may, may be different. We didn't know we were, it was really uncertain those first several months of, um, of 2021 where, uh, we knew that things were moving in the right direction, but we didn't know exactly where they would go. I love that you, um, were a vaccine hunter and it, it, it wasn't necessarily because you had the secret ingredients. It's because you are just such a persistent person and so caring. And those two it was together, a game. Really you have to understand, it was a good contest. It was like a race to me. We didn't have any races. Yeah. So this was like my race. Like, I'm going to like, you know, race to, I'm going to be the first. So that was my race. And, and it was, I remember people would say like, wow, it's so nice of you to do that. And I was like, no, this is like my like thrill. This is my, <laughs> I'm replacing the thrill of racing with the thrill of winning vaccine spots. So yeah, so that was, um, it was, it was more that it just was like a, a, a adrenaline high to me that I wasn't getting because we weren't racing. Yeah. I mean, some people listening to this might think you're absolutely nuts, but I get it. I totally get it. But it was just, you know, a challenge. So, and it was really, really something because also as people started getting vaccinated, we were finally able to see friends and loved ones that we couldn't before. I, I know for me, I, I finally got to travel to Florida, the, the <laughs> epicenter of COVID. COVID at once um, and see my mom and that was, and my sisters and it had been such a long time. And um, that for me actually was a moment in time in 2021 where I sort of like before I saw my family and then after, because I really felt because I have no family outside of my immediate family here. It, it just really felt like a part of me was really empty, not being able to see my family when I wanted to. So that was a huge thing. Um, and then suddenly everything picked up. Our children returned to school and in March and April. And suddenly in June, we had the return of ceremonies like graduations, weddings, bar mitzvahs, and of course, races. And that was incredible. And we received the announcement that Boston was absolutely going to happen in October. And we couldn't have been more excited. And suddenly other races looked like they were on the horizon and actually happening. We were cautiously optimistic and we all started training and everybody started signing up for training with us. And that was really exciting. And 
you and I hustled a lot in um, the summer. While typically summer months are not known to be busy, we've we had never been busier and I'm, I'm going to toot our horn. I'm, I'm very proud of what we did because we had never really faced something like that, where we had so many runners coming to us at the same time, all of whom understandably deserved and wanted coaching. And we, we did not want to say no, because we understood, we went through it ourselves, what it's like to start training, stop training, start training, stop training. And then suddenly, yeah, your race is in four months and you need to be ready. And for a lot of people, especially those running races like Berlin out of the country, you also invested a lot of money and travel time and other things into this race. And you wanted to make sure you got there healthy. So we, I don't, I don't quite know how we did it, Lisa, but, but we did it. And I'm, I'm, very proud of what we did during those months specifically. We had at times almost double of what we typically have on a roster and, and we did it. <laughs> we did. We actually did double in, I think it was May. It was either May or June is when we doubled our client load twice what we ever had. And we did it. Like you said, we wanted to help everybody we wanted. And um, we did find ourselves in a position that where we're really having to ask ourselves, like, what is our limit in, in terms of what we can provide that, you know, we want, we really pride ourselves in, in really getting to know each of our runners and really being individually involved with, with their schedules for our, our individual coaching clients. And um, I think that was a good, uh, you know, reminder for us to, that we, that we do have limits and we have, you know, now, started later in the year, um, you know, capping how many people we can take and then, you know, taking people kind of on a rolling basis. And that's um, been something that's happened for us this year, which is great. And also, um, like you said, could be, can be overwhelming, but, um, uh, but we've also got to meet a lot of really great people this year and we'll get to that, but eventually we got to meet a lot of them in person, which has been um, really fun too. But um, yeah, but we, I think really experienced kind of a, a um, resurgence of hope and excitement and training and purpose in that June through September. Although I will remind you that, um, you know, there were some races that were canceled last minute as we got closer to September and they were for various reasons. And we never, no one ever knew quite, you know, if their race would be impacted, it could be a local, um, a local issue. It could be an insurance coverage issue. It could be lack of volunteers. It could have been, you know, for some, it was lack of police support because police were busy supporting other, you know, functions in the government. Um, so there were, there were races that were canceled. And so again, there's still a little bit of uncertainty and we were still heading into Boston. I remember not feeling super confident that Boston was going to happen until, you know, a few weeks before when we finally said, okay, it's, it's really going to happen. But same thing with Berlin, um, you know, international travel was up in the air. So we weren't quite sure uh, international travelers coming here for Boston couldn't make it because uh, our borders really didn't reopen to even vaccinated international runners until I think it was November 1st. It was right after Boston. So there was still a lot of uncertainty, but, um, but we did feel that kind of, um, I think optimism that things were headed back to a sense of normalcy and we were getting back to races, we were getting back to the start line. Uh, I think Boston, so getting to October, Boston was a really big, um, a, a big milestone for us this year and just what it symbolized in, in that, you know, we had gotten through a year and a half of, of really challenging um, circumstances and uh, Boston had found a way to safely 
uh, you know, get us get us back there and, uh, and you know, downsize the field, had requirements that we had to fulfill, um, but uh, you know, moved a lot of things outside so that, but it, that it was possible to have, get back to some sense of normalcy, even though it was, it was a new normal. So I think that to me, when I look at our year, especially as coaches and run farther and faster and runners, um, that sort of, um, Boston sort of encapsulated the whole the whole year of, of, of being flexible. It was, you know, moved to a different time of the year of having to modify. So having to find new ways of doing things that we've done for many years, you know, we've had an indoor expo. Well, there was no more indoor expo. We always had, you know, a dinner beforehand. Well, we didn't do that. So there were, we had to modify, um, but we were still able to be there and have a, a really amazing experience. So that to me, like when I look back at the year, that sort of was the hallmark of the year was a, a, a an October Boston. It was different, um, but it allowed us to celebrate and, and appreciate. So that that's kind of when I look back at the year, um, especially from the perspective of running and coaching, um, that sort of, like I said, encapsulates the year for me. Absolutely. And I think there was another part of Boston, and we have mentioned this before, but I think it's worth noting is so much of what we do as coaches is about connection and, and connecting with our runners. And that is why we, we like keeping our, our business model the way it is with the two of us. We've made that conscious decision and the, we put in a lot of time and thought into connecting with so many of our runners and then to actually see them in person for the first time after sometimes years of coaching them because of the starting and stopping and having that connection already, it just made it so special. And then um, more surfacey connecting with listeners who we haven't coached, but we feel like they know us and we may not know them, but then having the opportunity to connect with them in Boston in person was so meaningful. And it, it really validates why we're so passionate about what we do because we're on year 12 now, Lisa, and it's changed a lot. I mean, from where we started getting, I, I won't go out on a tangent about it, but when I think about it, it's overwhelming. And you know the phrase where you, you don't always, I'm trying to think of, be happy with what you have. Don't always think about what you want because what you want often is what you have already. And I feel that way right now. I, I don't want to jinx it, but I feel that way. I mean, we had to recently... Um, turn down a, a job opportunity that was sort of um, tangential to our business. We, something 10 years ago, we would have jumped at and we, we had to turn it down because our business model um, now represents us. And it's, it's something we care about deeply and we didn't want to dilute it. And things happen for a reason. So I'm going on a tangent, but I'm just saying this to anyone out there listening who is an entrepreneur or has a business Sometimes letting things happen organically, even if it, the time feels like it's really slow or you're not sure if you're doing the right thing because other people in your industry are doing different things, stay your course and be true to who you are and what you want to represent. Because at the end of the day, it's all about having passion for what you do, being able to impact others. And then of course, selfishly your own happiness. Cause if you're not happy with what you're doing, you're not going to want to continue doing it. And I can honestly say for ourselves that we are really happy with what we're doing because we have had the opportunity to connect with so many amazing runners. And, and ideally we hope impact those runners and 
by being able to stay true to our course, even during this tumultuous past year and a half, it's, it's really um, been so rewarding and, and I'm excited to see what's next. So, yeah, so. absolutely. Not agree with you. I think, the, I think the, the, the point of that, which is, I think is worth just worth repeating and dwelling on for one second is just, um, you know, sticking true to your authentic self, like really, um, like you said, not doing what you think you should do or what people are advising you that, you know, this would take your business in a new direction or blow it up, or, you know, you've got to do what feels right to you because your voice comes through in, in what you do. And I think, um, that's like you said, the connecting for us is such a big part. And that's sort of going back to where you started with us is that's why we've always kept it me and you, and we haven't, you know, done, you know, gone in directions that sometimes business advisors have advised us because we wanted to keep it true, um, to, to why we founded this run farther and faster in the first place. So, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, but just, you know, getting back to kind of our recap of the year, we had this great time in Boston and connecting and feeling like we are back on, 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 you know, this great track and people planning for 2021 races and sort of getting back into the normal rhythm of coaching and, and planning and, um, and training. And then this week, um, feels really different all of a sudden, uh, you know, now oh, we're wow. starting to hear about Want, want, not to not to end the year on a want, want, but what else? This has been the pattern of the last. We've sort of gotten used to this, but um, you know now again, and it just it just kind of goes back to the whole the last almost now two years of just uncertainty, and you know we are headed into winter, so this is an unexpected isn't unexpected, but um, here we go with some uncertainties again, and numbers are spiking again, and we're uncertain and um, plans are changing, and you know we even had one of our runners mention yesterday. Do you think this could impact Boston in April? And you know what? No. We, we just can't, even, we cannot even start to think about that. We've got to take it um, a day at a time, a week at a time. Um, but it really kind of, um, you know, just again, underscores um, that we're not out of this yet. And, um, but we've learned a lot of lessons, I think in the last year or two years that I think will help us um, keep moving forward. So, you know, yeah, along I mean, those lines, moving into it. I was going to say, like, I think there's a huge, huge difference, though, between how we're feeling now with this latest um, bit of this Omicron situation. And of course, the past in that is there are vaccines. And as a result, COVID, if you're vaccinated, becomes an inconvenience. It's not pretty. No one wants it, of course. But there's a big difference between it becoming an inconvenience and causing death. And um, anyone listening here, we're guessing is on the same page as us that it's good to have a vaccine. And um, we understand that it's, it's uncertain as to how new variants will be um, how impacted by the vaccine. But we do know based on data thus far, that if you're vaccinated, you'll be inconvenienced, but the likelihood of your breakthrough case causing you to end up in the hospital is a lot slimmer than those who aren't. And I say this because I think it's important to stay the course and recognize there is a big difference between what's happening now and what happened a year and a half ago. And I am somewhat comforted by that because certainly an inconvenience is a lot different than what we were facing um, in March, 2020. So hopefully yep. uh, this will be short-lived, our, our feelings right now. I will say that as we're sitting here on the podcast, my my son Noah was texting. I think school's going to be canceled tomorrow. So clearly the kids are all talking in the high school and there's something brewing and let's hope that um, we can get this under control 
a lot sooner because we have so much more information. Okay, moving on. Yeah, well, I'll just mention too, just the current, well, not to go back to, because we want to move on to happier things, but I'm sure you saw in the news, Cornell had to end their semester early because uh, 900 <laughs> positive cases. So uh, yeah, so I think you might be right. Something might be brewing. Hopefully it's short-lived, um, but on to happier things. Let's look forward to 2022. And what can we look at? <laughs> what can we control? When we talk about controlling the controllables, what can we control moving into 2022 as we head toward hopefully um, goal races? But in any case, um, whatever we're headed towards in 2022, what can we control in 2022? What can we do? And how can we kind of, um, you know, block out the noise that we're that we hear on a lot of different levels, and just get back to fundamentals and get back to basics, and um, and take care of ourselves and move forward. Yeah, we were talking before recording on how because there are a lot of people who have become runners during this time, or a lot of people who had some setbacks, whether physical or otherwise, you know, scheduling, stress, whatever it is, there are a lot of people returning to running, maybe returning from injury or through a choice break, whatever it is. A lot of people, of course, look to social media and other sources for guidance. And we, running hasn't changed. Even if, even if you've changed running and the fundamentals of running have not, and there is more information to access, but the, the, nuts and bolts of that information has not have not changed and we just wanted to provide some reminders of what those fundamentals are and when you're building your fitness and returning from a, whether a setback or intentional layoff the things that we all should be focusing on to run strong and stay injury free in 2022 so we made a little list because we like lists and uh i'll start off with uh number one fundamental uh, and that is run easier than you think you should be running. Uh, we've, we've talked about this a lot. It's worth a reminder. We will talk about it on every episode because it is so important. Because when you run easy on your easy days, you will run stronger on your harder days and you will race better and you will recover and you will not be injured as easily and you will benefit and from that easy run so much more than a run during which you're staring at your watch because you think you need to maintain a certain pace because that is what you think your easy pace is because perhaps maybe that was the pace group you were placed into six months ago, or maybe that's what a chart said that you looked at after running a 5K. No, just run a pace during which you can run and talk easily, a pace where your heart rate is not spiked the entire time, a pace that is comfortable. And if you can run that pace comfortably, as easy as possible on an easy day, you will benefit so much more than pushing it even slightly. Yep. And, and not even, I would say not even focusing on pace, but on effort, like ignore your watch. Um, assume your watch is the GPS is off or, you know, turn off the pace when you've got an easy run. Um, and, and another, you know, you mentioned having kind of these arbitrary numbers in our head, but a lot of times we have numbers that are five or 10 years old in our heads. Like, well, I, my easy pace has always been nine minute mile. Well, and today it's a nine 30. Does that mean something? No, it doesn't mean that, you know, that you're, you've lost fitness. It means that today your body is working a little bit harder. Um, so you got to slow down the pace to even it out. And I will go back to this analogy that I've 
talked about before, but it always sticks in my head and I really, really like it. Um, it, it if you, um, you know, when we're trying to develop our aerobic system, um, there's a range of paces that we can run in. It's kind of, you know, our, uh, it's our aerobic zone and there's a low aerobic zone and there's a high aerobic zone. And in that aerobic zone, anywhere in that aerobic zone, you're gonna get the same benefits. So the analogy is if you went out and you saw two of your pairs of running shoes that you that you wear, and they're equal in every other sense of the word. They're at the same store, they're both online, whatever it is, they're equal in every other sense. And one is $120 and one is $150. Um, and again, all everything else is equal. Are you gonna buy the $150 one just to spend more money and to lose more money? No, you're gonna buy the $120 shoes. So it's the same thing with running. If you can run in a range of paces and get the same benefits, the exact same benefits, why would you cost your body more and run at the faster pace? You're gonna cost your body more wear and tear, more fatigue. Like you said, you're not gonna recover as well for the same benefits. And if you run even a little faster, you're not even getting those same benefits. You're not working in your aerobic zone. So if you can get that bargain, by running at the bottom of your aerobic zone and taking it easier and get the same benefits, why would you not do that? So I think it's really important to put aside any of your um, preconceived notions of what your easy pace should be, whether that's what your friends run or what, what you ran last year or what you ran two years ago or what you think your easy pace should be, like you said, based on a chart and, and go by effort and just know that that effort, as long as you're working aerobically, which is an easy effort, as long as you are there, your pace doesn't matter. It's there. You don't get any awards, no medals for your pace in a training run because you can run a certain pace in your training run does not mean you will be able to run that on race day. That's really important. People say, well, I need to be able to run this pace because, you know, I'm going to need to run it on race day. Right. But you know what? That's what you save your speed work days for your pace days for your tempo runs. That's, that's those, that one particular day, or maybe two particular days a week. But, um, but we cannot overemphasize that enough. And it's the hardest thing for us to convince people of um, when we're coaching or when we're talking to people or when we're running with people is it's, it's so hard until um, you see it yourself. And, um, you know, I think Molly Seidel is a really good example of this. And there was an article in the New York, uh, New York Times about her training and how she had to do a lot more slow running. And I, I, I don't follow her on Strava because I'm not a big Strava person, but I've heard if you follow her on Strava, you really can see that her training runs really are like two, even more minutes per mile slower than where she races. So, um, and you know, she's a great example. So I think that that is a, a really, if we hit, if you remember one fundamental from this podcast or from anything um, that we talk about that that run easier than you think you should be running is, is that fundamental. So the next fundamental we'll talk about um, is um, strength training. And it's something that gets easily, um, maybe not overlooked, but pushed to the side because it's not as fun as going out for a run. And a lot of us don't know what to do or um, it's not easy to do. And it just doesn't feel as exciting as, as running. Um, but strength training, especially as we get older, is so important. And it's the right strength training too. So you if you are you know, depending on what your goals are, but let's say your goal is, you know, a, a longer distance race and talking about 10 mile or and above mid distance and longer races, you don't need heavy duty strength training. You don't need high intensity strength training. You need um, strength training. That's going to focus on your core, on your key running muscles, your glutes, your hamstrings, um, your hips and single leg stability. Single leg stability is so important. And, um, 
you know, we recommend 60 minutes per week. So that can be three 20-minute sessions to 30-minute sessions. You can split them up in the day. Um, there are so many resources out there. We love, obviously, Kelly Redman and her classes that you can even take virtually. But there's so many resources. And it's just really important, first of all, to make sure you're doing it properly. So if you're not familiar with strength training, maybe going to a trainer a couple times to make sure your form looks right. Um, a physical therapist can help. But um, making sure that form is right, because you can also be doing 60 minutes of strength per week. And if you're not doing it properly, uh, you could do more harm than good, but, um, you know, making time for that strength. And if that means ending your run 10 minutes early, so you can get in that 10 to 20 minutes of strength, uh, that, that is going to do you a lot more good than those extra 10 minutes of running. Absolutely. And I just want to add that is the bare minimum 60 minutes per week. And when we talk about, you know, working on mobility can be part of strength training and core work. We're not saying you shouldn't lift heavy. We're saying this is the bare minimum because if you've been strength training for a while, don't be afraid to, to, get, to get heavy with those weights and get comfortable with lifting heavy things because that is only going to benefit you. Of course, under the guidance of whether um, via looking at videos or of course in person, making sure your form is proper, but lifting heavy things is actually really great for runners, especially masters runners, because you want to maintain that muscle. And a really great way, of course, to maintain and build muscle is through heavy lifting. And provided that it's done with good form and appropriate for running, you can get a lot of bang for your buck, especially on hills. Um, for those running Boston, a great way to train for hills is not only running hills and doing hill work, but also doing strength training, strengthening your glutes, and of course, strengthening your quads having a strong core and all of that can be achieved through heavy lifting. So if you've been going through the motions for a while, change it up a little bit for this um, segment and try and lift heavier with good form. And if you're a little lost, in addition to Kelly's videos, which we love um, team fit training, we also really like the Peloton app has a lot of great strength training for runners, quick um, 20 minute sessions that many of whom are led by previous guests, Matt Wilpers that are great as well. So the next one is obvious, but deserves a reminder. And that is practice your fueling, uh, practice it every time you do a run that requires fueling. So for example, if you're running about an hour and 10 minutes or more, that is an opportunity to practice your fueling. A lot of runners still believe that they are better off by just running fasted, especially early morning runners without anything in their stomach. And that maybe about six weeks before race day, you'll kind of think about, hmm, what am I doing for my fueling plan? I'll practice, I'll practice this fueling plan because I'm doing my second to last long run and we're about six weeks out from the race. So I'll bring some fuel with me. You will be so much better off if you actually practice your fueling every time you go out for a run. And notice I'm not saying long runs because for some people, a midweek run may be more than an hour and 10 minutes. So it's not just that traditional weekend long run, but it's any run over an hour and 10 minutes use that as an opportunity to practice your fueling. And that way you can always correct the course. If, if a particular type of fueling isn't working for you, our bodies are always changing too. So something that may have worked in the past may not work now. And what better time to make sure that fueling is working for you than um, throughout your training. And we will point out that we have been suggesting for runners who are having a hard time um, fueling, especially on those early morning training runs, just split it in half. So 
instead of taking a whole gel or a whole packet of chews or whatever your source, just do half to start out and slowly build from there. Just getting your gut ready to absorb nutrition is part of training. And even if it's not the entire serving, anything helps to start to work on that and get yourself to a place so that a few weeks before a race day, you've got your plan in place and you're ready and you're not panicked wondering where the season went and why haven't I practiced my nutrition more. Yeah. And a good point about the midweek runs is that it gives you an opportunity. A lot of times if that's your tempo run or speed work to practice fueling during faster running, because our GI systems uh, process fuel a little bit differently when we're running faster. So it's a good idea to practice that when you, when you're running at race, race pace, or even a little bit faster. Um, so that's definitely, and, and I will say quickly on nutrition too, that, um, you know, just anecdotally hearing from runners that we coach, that we've coached in the past, runners um, that we just read articles about or read about, you know, breakthrough runs. Um, a lot of times the one thing they've changed is their nutrition and they've, you know, upped their fuel on their run. And I think a lot of us underestimate how much we need while we're running, how much our body is consuming and how much fuel we need to top off those glycogen stores. But again, anecdotally, you know, we've talked to runners that have had great races this year and have said, what do you think made the difference? And they've said, my nutrition. So I think that's when underlooked, you know, when we're looking to improve performance, we're often looking at, okay, what kind of speed work can I do? What kind of shoes can I wear? What, you know, what else, like where we're often looking at that and we're not looking at nutrition. So um, I think that's a really um, important point that shouldn't be um, overlooked. Um, Great point. And uh, our next, yeah, our next, our next tip um, is get, you know, we go for um, physical checkups and um, uh, we often don't go to a physical therapist until something is going wrong, but we really like preventative PT. And if that just means one visit with a qualified physical therapist to assess your, um, any possible weaknesses or imbalances to do a gait analysis, we work with Rachel Miller at ProAction Physical Therapy, and we love for runners to go for her runner baseline analysis before they start working with us, because it gives us a picture, a snapshot shot of what is, you know, what are potential issues that could come up as we build mileage? What can we work on in conjunction with building mileage? Should we work on hip strength? Do we work on flexibility? Um, do you need to maybe look at a different type of shoe? Um, but getting that kind of baseline PT um, uh, evaluation is, is a really good idea. Even if you go just once to get some ideas of exercises that you can do that are specific to you, because, um, as coaches, as runners, we can say like, here are good exercises for runners. You know, we can give you general strength exercises, but if we know that, you know, a runner has a specific weakness or, um, you know, maybe shouldn't build mileage until they, um, work on a particular area of strength, um, it really helps us stay, you know, keep our runners or, you know, ourselves, if we're talking about ourselves, healthier as we build mileage. So I think, um, you know, like you said, just getting that checkup um, through a PT is, is a good idea. For sure. And the next one is something that it, it took me personally a little while to really understand this. And that is that speed is not a need. So what we mean by that is speed work is sort of the icing on the cake. The cake is the running, the icing, the enhancement is speed work. And if we're focused too much on speed work and not enough on the fundamentals, then what, what happens is not only do we lose sight of the purpose of our training, but of course we may unintentionally lead ourselves down the path toward injury. They say often that an injury surfaces about three weeks after 
uh, a ramp up or a workout that may be too much, too soon, too fast. So take a look at maybe training patterns in the past. If, if you're someone that has had a propensity toward injury and look and see maybe when that injury happened and maybe what was the work, what were the workouts about three, four weeks before that injury. And sometimes you'll be able to sort of shine a light on what happened. So to that end, we're not saying that training plans shouldn't have speed work, but speed work can be a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be going to a track and running Yasso 800s. That, especially if you're training for a marathon or a half marathon, is not necessarily a, a component of speed work. Rather, more appropriate work would be what we refer to as strength work in running, and that is longer speed sessions in a run um, such as tempo. And tempo doesn't mean that you have to go out and run three miles at tempo. It can be broke, broken up where maybe you'll do 400s at your, your lactate threshold or your marathon pace with a very short recovery in between because it takes a while to build up to tempo runs consisting of a lot of miles. But that is speed, but it's not the same as speed work where you're doing super fast intervals on a track or on a treadmill. It's different because it's more relevant to what you're training for. Now, of course, if you're training for a 5K, um, you will want to do some 5K appropriate speed work, which will often take place at a track. But for those longer distance events, really think about, do I need to be doing the speed work just because I've always done speed work at a track on a Tuesday or Wednesday? Or is this work that I could be doing in another place in my training to preserve my body a little bit more? So just some food for thought. Speed is not always a need. Right. I think it's super important. And you, you alluded to this, that you've got to de determine what's the purpose of speed in your, in your training program right now. So if you're training for a marathon, that purpose is very different than if you're training for a 5k. And, um, you know, there are a lot of, um, groups out there that do, you know, track workouts and people like to go, Hey, I'm going to go do the track workout with this group on a Tuesday. Um, but if their track workouts that they're doing don't make sense to what you're training for, um, you may want to reevaluate. Maybe you can do a different workout while you're at the track with them. But, um, uh, I think that's really important to not just do track workouts just to, or speed workouts, just to do them and feel like you, you know, had a really hard workout. It's what, what is the purpose behind it? And then um, determining like, what's your goal? And then what kind of speed work is going to help you get to that goal? And then being smart about where you put it in the schedule and the recovery that you have in between those workouts. So um, like you said, that's, uh, that's speed is not a need and it's, it's something that you need to be very, very deliberate about. Um, our, our next uh, fundamental, and these are real fundamentals that we often overlook and are very easy to overlook, especially this year, is managing your sleep and your stress. And um, it's uh, we usually don't see the correlation between sleep, stress, and our running performance, but we as coaches see it. So when we have runners who have a lot going on in their lives outside of running, we can usually see it reflected in their running. It's hard for us to see it in our own or really to believe that it's actually affecting um, our running, but it is. Um, so just, you know, a, a, a reminder to take stock of what's going on in your life. And you know what, if you've got a really busy time where you're not going to get a lot of sleep and you know, you've got a lot of stress, rethink your, your goals. Like that's not the year to run a marathon. On. That's not the year maybe to run a half marathon. Maybe you decide I'm going to fit in a few 5Ks and, you know, just, uh, you know, have this be the year where I focus on some shorter distance um, running, um, but really evaluate what is your sleep and your stress look like and 
how should that, how is that going to impact your, your running? And, and on, you know, conversely, when you're out and you're out for a run and you're feeling like crap one day, um, look and see, was it, you know, have you had a stressful week? Have you um, not gotten a lot of sleep? So it doesn't, isn't necessarily a reflection on your fitness. So just, um, you know, manage your sleep and stress and don't overlook the impact that it has on your running. And with, with one caveat, I just want to add, you know, when you said maybe it's not your year to run a marathon, run the marathon, but maybe it's not your year to, to race a marathon because we also recognize right. that so much of running is social and fun and the experience. And just, um, as a race approaches, maybe you had a plan, but maybe you had a change in jobs or a life change that has created more stress. No biggie go out and, and have fun and do the race, but rethink your goals. And, and we talk about this a lot. It's worth running should be fun. It shouldn't be stressful. And if your sleep and stress is causing running to be a stress inducer rather than a stress reliever, then it's time to take a step back and reframe your goals. So the next fundamental we have is, uh, and this is not something we would have said before a year and a half ago, but we know it's been a long time since some folks have done this. Get a physical with a qualified PCP or a physician's assistant before starting a big training program. If you just had your physical and you feel like you may be having some things going on with your iron and or vitamin D, which happens a lot in the winter, don't hesitate to reach out to your primary care physician and get some blood work. And they can analyze those results and provide you with some suggestions. Um, and this is a really good time to talk about my inside tracker experience. I'm just going to say it on this podcast. Inside Tracker is a huge sponsor of many, many podcasts. And now they are one of the many sponsors of the Roadrunners Club of America, which is what certifies us as coaches. It's our governing body as coaches. So it's really easy to um, look at Inside Tracker and say, oh, that is a great company. And that's because what they do is really cool. You go to a Quest lab, they send you a lab order that's signed by an Inside Tracker. Um, physician who's paid to sign these orders. And then you go to Quest Labs and you get blood work. And then a day later, Inside Tracker sends you this like whole result, whole um, comprehensive analysis, it's called, of your blood work results um, in this document. And then they give you suggestions based on your results on what you need to do. So I did this a few weeks ago. And the reason I did is because we have received an inordinate amount of emails from Inside Tracker and asking us, you know, if we'd be interested in collaborating, asking us if um, we'd be interested in having them sponsor our podcast, asking us if we'd like to work with them as coaches. And so many coaches work with Inside Tracker and dietitians. We just felt like we, we needed to figure this out. What is the service? Because it's a really great thing. We need to we need to get on board. And so I went to quest. I had my blood work done a few weeks ago and I got my analysis. It was very impressive. This analysis was really impressive. And I immediately sent it to a lot of bells and whistles, a lot of bells and whistles and colors and codes and, and red, yellow, green, and like very like fancy, fancy packaging. It was so fancy right? and it had my name in a lot too. It was like, Julie, your bite, your magnesium looks good. Julie, your, I mean, it was, I felt like a doctor had made this pretty report for me. And it was really exciting to see all of the greens and the yellows, which basically means I'm doing okay or good in certain areas. And then in other areas, it scared the shit out of me. I got this like big red for my cholesterol. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. So immediately I call um, my favorite cardio 
my favorite cardiologist, my uncle, who, um, full disclosure is one is one of the top interventional cardiologists in Boston and knows his stuff. And he's been practicing for many, many years. And he read my, my report thoroughly. And basically it was like, Julie, this is not this, this, you, you, these results should not be relied upon. People need to go see their primary care physician. He has no, no, um, stock in the game, no stake in anything, stake in anything, no stake in anything. No stake in the game. And said, this is a really slick marketing ploy. <laughs> yes. He said, if, if you ever need blood work, you need to go to your primary care physician. Now for those who don't have insurance or have to pay out of pocket, um, there are other ways to have blood work read besides inside tracker. If inside tracker is what works for you financially, it's still expensive. And this is what you feel is the best tool read it with a grain of salt and recognize that it is, it is a lot of it is not necessarily hundred percent accurate and you need to read it with scrutiny. And that is not something that is communicated. I would not have known this. And I believe I'm, I'm a relatively smart person. And I read this report yeah. with such, I read it with giving them such authority because of the way it was done. So I'm sharing this. We are sharing this go get your checkup. You'll find out a lot of great information. And by the way, my cholesterol is, is fine. My good cholesterol is high enough. Um, I'm okay. Um, for those who are worried. And, um, anyway, we may be doing a podcast episode on this in the future. Stay tuned, but, um, yeah, so, uh, that's all we're going to say on that for now. Yeah. Well, it's just a good reminder. We'll segue to the next, but it's a good reminder that a lot of what we see and the noise that we hear and advertisements and um, things that we see out there, whether it's, you know, coming through email or social media or just hearing it through our networks um, is, is marketing. And that goes to foods as well. So we get a lot of marketing for like athletic greens or different bars or shakes or, um, you know, that we that have nutrients that we really need that we've never gotten before. We can't get anywhere else. And, um, and going back again to fundamentals is eat real food. Don't look for shortcuts. And that's just something we've learned through experience. We've learned through the dietitians that we work with. There is really no replacement for real whole actual food. So that's, you know, just a reminder, um, that there's no magic pill. There's no magic shake. There's no magic, anything. Um, again, going back to, blocking out the noise in the marketing and going back to um, eating real food and not looking for shortcuts. For sure. And also I don't really like drinks that have like all kinds of green stuff in it anyway. So it's okay. I'd rather just eat an apple. You know, I don't like, I don't like food that has green stuff. So I definitely don't like drinks that have green stuff in it. So I'm on board with that. (laughs) Um, So the next fundamental we would love to emphasize is one that we all probably don't do often enough. And that is take time to practice your race pace before your race. We understand the reluctance. Uh, It's hard to practice marathon pace, especially in a long run when you're already fatigued because number one, it's hard. And number two, it's discouraging because everyone feels this way, especially early in the training cycle. Oh my gosh, how am I going to run this race pace? If I can't even run it in a training run, how am I going to do this for 13.1 miles or 26.2 miles? It's okay. Think of it as race pace effort. And even if that pace is off what you think your race pace should be, 
Um, even just practicing that effort and getting used to that is super important, especially early on in the training cycle, because you know what? You can always adjust that. And then you can do a mid cycle check, whether that's through a race or a time trial, see where you are and try again, but avoiding that and just waiting until race day to put on your bib and race is probably not the best idea. And here's why it's really great to be able to start out a race where you run a little bit slower than your projected race pace. And if your projected race pace is too fast and you're running a little bit slower than your projected race pace, that means you're running too fast early in the race. And that means all the things that we've talked about before about petering out too soon and not achieving that negative split that we want everyone so badly to try and achieve or even an even split. And most importantly, running out of gas and not being able to absorb all of the fuel early on so that you can have a successful race. Um, all of that is bound to happen if you start out too fast. So if your race pace, projected race pace is too fast and you're running a little bit slower than that, then that still would be too fast and may set you up for not having the best race that you certainly deserve after all of your training. Good point. We practice lots of things before race day. We practice what we're going to wear. We practice what we're going to eat um, and should practice uh, your race pace too. And not only um, is it just the particular pace, but it's that, um, you know, uh, discipline, pace discipline, like kind of dialing in patience and, um, and sometimes being a little bit outside your comfort zone. It's a good, uh, mental, mental practice as well. Um, our next tip is, um, again, kind of back to fundamentals, um, check out your running shoes, take a look at them, especially it's been many years since you've been fit for running shoes. You might want to go get refit. Um, if you're thinking about changing your running shoes, um, you know, there's again, a lot of marketing, a lot of, um, noise out there about the new super shoes. So carbon plate shoes are the ones that have um, just other synthetic plates in them. Um, are they right for you? Really talk to your um, shoe expert at your running shoe store because they're not right for everybody. So don't always have to and buy listen to our you podcast episode on that right. subject. We did a whole podcast episode with Roman and Kelly Sharp about carbon plate shoes. We need to update that too, because that was kind of at the beginning of this whole trend. So I think we think it would be good to update that. But um, but yeah, again, there's it's very easy to get sucked into the marketing of like here, spend some money and you're gonna get healthier, faster. We're gonna answer your questions about you know your your um, blood work, like all of that stuff. Um, people are willing to just kind of throw money out to 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 become better runners and at the end of the day, it's what's going to work, what's going to work for you. And going back to those fundamentals, there's no, there's no free speed. There's no um, easy answer, uh, you know, quick, you know, quick pill to take. So um, same thing with shoes, you know, just take a, just check, a, check in with what you've got. Is it working for you? If it's working, not necessarily, not necessary to change it. Um, but if you're thinking of changing, you know, make sure you're talking to an expert who can help you make that right decision. For sure, because we know a lot of runners that have had great success with carbon plate shoes. It is a legal advantage if it works for you. But we also know runners who sustain pretty significant injuries because not everyone is meant to run in those. And it's it's for that extra four minutes he may gain, for example, on, in a race from wearing those special shoes. Is it worth it if it's going to cause uh, an injury? So it's important to your point to talk to an expert. And of course, everyone knows who's local. Uh, to our area in the DC area, we highly recommend the folks at RNJ. But even if you're not local, RNJ welcomes questions. You can call the store and talk to someone there if you have a question about 
carbon plate shoes and their thoughts, um, they will tell you, especially, and they'll even get on Zoom with you and talk to you about if you're not local. They're really, really great. Um, can I just be honest? The running store I would not recommend going to. I feel like I'm being really negative, but let's just let's just throw it out there. It's that one um, Roadrunner Sports. Um, if you already know your shoe and you're just going into Roadrunner Sports to um, purchase a replacement or buying pair, online, yeah, or getting them through their online store, right? Yeah, go yeah. ahead and purchase. I mean, we always love specialty running stores, but let's say that's the closest running store to you and you already have your shoe and you know what it is and they sell it great. Go, go buy it there. But they've got this, um, it's called like, what's it called? They're fitting. It's like shoe dog technology, some kind of technology, right? Like where again, bells and whistles, marketing, not going back to fundamentals, relying upon the readout from a, 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 a an electronic, you know, system, um, that is very, um, uh, you know, it's like a decision tree. <laughs> like, does this person have this? Then this is the shoe they need. Does this person have this? And this is the shoe they need. Without really looking, talking to the runner, looking at the runner, understanding the runner, that's the experience that we have had for sure. Yeah. So it's, it's very different than going to a specialty running store where the people working there are, are generally experts in running, have trained with the owner of the store, who takes pride in their particular store versus a franchise type corporation, national corporation that has a system in place that may not be tailored to every individual runner that may cause people to walk away from said store with the wrong shoes, which we've seen often. Yeah. And the caveat that any, you know, there could be a very experienced salesperson in one of these stores that understands what they're doing and, and could be a great resource. Um, but in general, what we see when um, staff relies on a machine and not on their own personal knowledge and training, um, the results are not typically good. And we don't say this just to just to you know trash a particular store, but we say this out of 10 years of experience of watching runners come away from those types of experiences having poor, poorly shipped. Poorly, poorly fit shoes, poorly fit shoes and having to go to poorly shit shoes too, but um, and having to go to, to places like R&J where there are, you know, runners who understand runners and who have worked for many, many years um, and understand shoes uh, and have to get refit. So that's kind of where, where our opinion is coming from. For sure. Well said. And then our last fundamental of the day um, to set yourself up for success in 2022 is focus on what works for you and execute the plan that's right for you. Uh, no one has ever said, thanks to Instagram, I had a PR. That's, that's not how you train. Nope. You, you may get inspiration from social media and certainly ideas, but actually develop for yourself or of course through a coach a plan that works for you and stay the course don't feel like you're missing out because someone's doing a fancy workout that looks really interesting and other people are doing that workout too so maybe I should be doing that workout no do what works for you and there are so many ways to skin a cat but everyone is different and therefore everyone deserves to make sure that how their training is executed is meaningfully done and tailored to what they need. And certainly I can speak to myself for myself and say what I needed as a runner at age 30 is a lot di different than what I need as a runner at my current age, 49, 
And um, yeah, oh yeah, 2022, I turned 50. Yay, new age group. Um, exactly, so, I was gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, this is gonna be a really like, can I go off on a tangent for one more second? 2020 year, 2022 has been a year in my head that I've kind of been, I don't want to say dreading, but more like anticipating because I have two whammies this year. I have transitional, big big transitional year for you. My baby boy, my oldest Noah will be leaving me to go to college. He's graduating in 2022. I remember in kindergarten, this is the class of 2022 and here we are. And I'm, and did it seem so far away? It seems so (laughs) far away. So those, those who are in still in stages of planning a family, if you have a child at like 31 or 32, just know that the same year you turn 50, your kid's going to be leaving the nest. And that's a lot. <laughs> so anyway, goes by really fast. so fast. So I just went off on a tangent, but do what works for you. Always do what works for you. And if you're not sure if it's working, don't hesitate to question it either. Because um, again, there are so many ways to train that work, but as long as you're, it's a plan that's reasonable that you can execute that will allow you to be injury free. That's a win. And on, and you know, not to toot our own horns, but that's why. And you know, for any coaches, that's that's why people go to coaches a lot. Experienced runners go to coaches if they need another set of eyes on on their training and um, you know another another approach and, um, and and somebody to look at at them as an individual and say what is going to work for you. And that's um, I think. For me in particular, it becomes harder to um, really look at what you need as a runner when you've got so much noise around. You've got um, social media, you've got advertisements, you've got um, you're watching other people train, you're watching um, you know other other people have success or not have success, and and it's hard to then go back to like you know look at yourself and what you need. And like you said, the runner that you are at at almost fifty is very different than the runner you were at thirty. So um, all of that together makes it hard to. Um, sometimes look at our own training plans and training approaches. Um, so sometimes a coach is, is or, or, or another experienced runner, somebody to just look at what you're doing and um, maybe make suggestions about how you might um, tweak what, you, what you're doing to be healthier, to break through a plateau, um, to get excited about running again. Um, but it all comes back to the fundamentals, really, at the end of the day. Absolutely. So On a non-running related note, I think the word fundamentals can also apply generally to life outside of running. Don't forget the things that make you happy. Seeing friends and family, having a good meal with friends and family, connecting with people you love, spending time doing the things you love and and canceling out all the noise that if you can, that doesn't bring you joy. Because if we've learned anything over the past year and a half, it's that Let's not waste our time doing things that don't spark joy if we don't have to. We certainly have to do a lot of things already that we have to do. So we have the opportunity to choose to do things. Let's choose the things we actually enjoy doing. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, Lisa, this wraps up our uh, 2021 year podcasting. Thanks for those who are still with us at the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. And thanks for doing this every week with me, Lisa. I love it so much. And I do too. And I'm looking forward to 2022 and hopefully getting, we will take a couple weeks off for the holidays. And then when we get back, Boston training starts. So we'll start having some um, Boston specific guests on. We'll start talking about Boston training, but we promise to still, um, you know, talk about just our, you know, 
just general training for those who are not training for Boston or have different goals this year. Our, our purpose in the podcast is to make sure that everybody can um, find something that they relate to in the podcast. And um, we'll be back after the first of the year. Happy New Year, Lisa. So, happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryant. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.